0: Everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Jim and the King NFL Podcast. I'm Jim, sitting in the war rooms of Denver Dave and Punk Raider and we're here to talk about the NFL.
1: Howdy, boys! Hey. I'm going to take over Wessex. A bit more,
2: bit more cheerful than I uh, thought I was going to be.
1: <laughs> I'm sitting in my war room, plotting a takeover of Wessex. Uh, I'm going to put together a great heathen army.
2: <laughs> Is that I a game of Thrones reference that I don't understand?
1: No, no, I've been watching Vikings. Oh, okay. Boys, we're
2: here to review the
0: divisional round. Uh, four games happened. Before we do that, of course, there's been a lot of hirings, based off the firings that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. So I wanted to go through that quick. Just have a, a quick natter about that. First one is Urban Meyer is coming to NFL as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Meyer won three college national championships and compiled a an 187 to 32 college coaching record during stints at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State. He won two of those titles in 2006 and 2008 with the Gators. Puma led to a 65-15 and 15 record in six seasons, with, of course, Tim Tebow, Dave. He also led the Buckeyes mm-hmm. to the 2014 national title and compiled an 83-9 record in seven seasons in Columbus. Now his time at Florida and Ohio State ended because of health scares, so it'll be interesting to see how he'll handle the role. Luckily, the Jags have a million draft picks. They're also projected to have a $76.2 million salary cap space this offseason, which is the most in the NFL.
1: All the monies.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a legend of the college game and it's his first real foray into uh, the NFL, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, So yeah, no, I think it's exciting times for the Jags because it's obviously uh, the similarity between the NFL and college now is closer than it's ever been. So getting someone who's uh college you know college players recognize and he's a big name it's uh, it's gonna be a draw even though he's a, a relatively new coach to the NFL he's gonna be a draw for players wanting to come to Jacksonville which I think is a big thing. Mm.
1: He could end up like Nick Saban of course and just completely <laughs> fall flat on his face and end up
2: the obvious thing that I didn't want to say. You know,
1: I mean it's the obvious comparison. But you know yeah. until until he's got in there and spent all his cap and his cap space and used his draft
2: picks and we're in well into next season. It's going to be difficult to tell. But I think the difficult thing with Nick Saban when it came to the NFL really was the fact that you, when you hire a head coach in the NFL, all you're saying is go and coach the team. Don't mm-hmm. You don't pick the players. Yeah. You don't choose who comes in. All you do is coach the team. Leaves everything else to the GM. And I think that's why a lot of the time we don't necessarily see uh, college head coaches coming to the NFL most of the time because they have to take a pay cut, let's be honest. You earn yeah. more in college than you do in the NFL, unless your name's Gruden. Mm. And what then basically happens is you have full reign to go to someone's house and go, we want your son to come and play for us. And then inevitably they, they end up in crimson, crimson red. Whereas that doesn't really happen in the NFL. So as long as he can handle the role of being given what he's, you know, here's what you get, what you're given. And that's that, or whether he has more of an impact. Cause of course, I don't know. Do they, do the Jags have a GM at the moment? Uh, kind of. I think that, they fired. Um, they fired uh, Dave Caldwell recently. I don't know if they've actually replaced anyone. Unless yeah, it's I think the Shine was going to be taking over a little bit of that. Well, that that was the rumor, but we I don't know if anything was official yet. But I mean, if that is the case, it gives Urban Meyer even even more power. So it might well be uh, might well be a huge positive for them. No, but it's exciting times in Jacksonville. They also announced that they're making a uh, new practice stadium as well, which is uh, I think a big thing for the Jags because previously Practicing. a lot of the players have moaned. Yeah, a lot of people have moaned about their practice facilities in recent years, so that, <laughs> that's probably a big a big bonus for them.
0: So another big move was the New York Jets have hired 49ers defensive coach Robert Sala as their new head coach. Mike LaFleur, brother of Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, is going to be the offensive coordinator as well. So two moves there from the Niners. The Niners have then promoted internally with the linebacker coach D'Amico Ryans as the new defensive coordinator, and Mike McDaniel from running back coach to offensive coordinator. Uh, D'Amico Ryans was a former Texans and Eagles player as well. Do you remember him, Punk.
1: Yeah, I remember D'Amico Ryans. He wasn't bad, actually. He was pretty yeah. good, pretty solid career.
0: Yeah, 10 years in the league. But uh good move there for Robert Sala. Obviously, last season, they were talking about him getting a head coach role. He didn't get it. Uh, another season with the 49ers. Obviously, it was a bit of a lost season for the Niners, but uh, they can't
2: yeah. hold on to Sala any any longer. And, of course, their their offensive okay. coordinator has gone as well. I think the thing with Robert Salah is when, when you look at the Jets, um, in recent years, the one thing the Jets haven't had is a leader. Um, and I'm looking at this sort of objectively from the outside. When you look at someone like Adam Gase, he's not going to walk into a room of men and millionaires and command the room. Todd Whereas Paul's when you look at same. Salah, Exactly. Exactly the same as well. When you look at Salah, he's a big guy. He's not a big guy in terms of physique, but in terms of personality. Well, he is. On the sideline, he runs. I mean, we're talking about NFL players here. You know, he's not a big guy in terms of NFL players. He's not. But his personality dominates the sideline on a 49ers game. And I think that's something that you need with a team like the Jets because they're in New York and it's this big heavy franchise in terms of what they should be and um, and where they are geographically so I think he could potentially be the right man for the job just by the person that he is as much as the job he can do.
1: I think it's it's I agree with everything that you've said I think I think it's very much a wait and see yeah. um, what happens the one thing I do like about the whole thing actually is that the 49ers are promoting internally. Mm. it ensures continuity it means when those injured players come back next season all right it'll be a different person giving them the order maybe but you know the actual system and so on and so forth isn't going to change too much so yeah, you know, NFL players like their routines so yeah. I think I think the fact that the 49ers feel comfortable promoting internally as well it's, it's a bit of a win-win for everybody really
2: I think that's the Shanahan way to do it because when Mike Shanahan was in Denver, a lot of the time they always promoted from within as well. So I think it's—I it, mean, Shanahan's obviously done what his old man's you know, taught him on numerous occasions. Mm. Um, he seems to be continuing that trait, which you know, ask anyone. Change revolution is nowhere near as good as evolution. So yeah, for, as long as you've got talent from within, then promote it. I agree.
0: We've got yeah. another hiring, boys. The Los Angeles Chargers have hired the former Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. So, Staley oversaw that number one defence this season, was the Broncos' outside linebacker coach last season, and spent two years in, in Chicago as the outside linebacker coach before that.
2: It's not bad units to be associated with. I mean, it's the easiest job in football. Let's, not, let's be honest. <laughs> right, what I want you to do is coach Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. All you got to do is go get them, boys. That's it. That's all you got to do. And Aaron do. Donald, let's not forget. <laughs> and Aaron Donald. And I mean, Aaron Donald, yeah. I could coach Aaron Donald. So, yeah, I mean... Good luck, that's all I'm going to say, because <laughs> you're going to need it. Mm. I don't think you do
1: coach Aaron Donald, do you? you? You just feed him and make sure he gets paid, and that's it. You leave the rest to him.
2: Remember that you know, Remember that episode of The Simpsons when it's a softball episode, and Mr. Byrne says, hey, Daryl Strawberry, hit home running. He goes, sure thing, Skip, Pff, it's home running. goes, see that? <laughs> coaching.
1: That's exactly, exactly what it is. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Good luck to the Chargers. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons have found a new GM in Terry Fontenot and a new head coach, and Arthur Smith, the 40 year old Fontenot becomes the franchise's first black GM as the former saints VP slash assistant GM of player personnel, new Orleans get two third round picks from that deal. And Arthur Smith of course was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee the last couple of years, helping Tannehill to a mega deal. And someone actually took the reins
2: off Derek Henry. Mm -hmm. So Fontenot, um, I think interviewed with the Broncos a while back, um, then everyone raised, ra- you know, rated him very highly. So yeah, mm. uh, that was my only experience of him, really. Does two third round picks seem alike like a lot to anybody else? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, got a high position in the in the Saints uh, organization.
2: So.
1: Yeah, no, it just just feels like a lot for that kind of transfer, you know.
2: Well, yeah. th- it was only a couple of years ago that um, the Ravens were talking about if anyone uh, wanted Harbour, they were going to have to pay two first-round picks for him. So, you know, it yeah, doesn't true. surprise me. If you want someone and you think this guy is the key to your success, um, you'll pay anything to go and get them. Um, and obviously, you know, they fell in love with him. So, you know, fair play, why not? Cool. Stop
0: the Steal was still going on in Washington as the team continues to take ex-Panthers staffers. Marty Herney. Joins head coach Ron Rivera as the GM of the Washington Football Team. This comes after twelve other
2: coaches were brought across from the Panthers. Yeah, I was going to say you guarantee there's some kind of link there. That <laughs> you know, it's, it's the golden rule of football, isn't it? You go and raid your former club. That's that's yeah. the golden rule of football. How many times have we seen players follow coaches and coaches follow managers? It's it is what it is.
1: Yeah, twelve. That's all. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just the twelve.
2: <laughs> that's not including the scouts awesome.
1: that they brought across. Does that mean that we we end up with the Washington Panthers and basically the Carolina team have to be Carolina football team? <laughs> yeah,
2: Carolina Washington Capitals. Washington Washington Black Cats. They've got to make Uh-oh. it a bit different. They couldn't help themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not mean that. Okay. <laughs> yes, you did. Though. Wow. Uh, no, so- I genuinely didn't. Wow. <laughs>
0: The Lions have made Rams director of college scouting Brad Holmes, their new GM. There was a five-year deal penned on that one. And it's rumoured that Saints tight end coach and former Lions player Dan Campbell is in line to be the Lions' next head coach. Campbell had been in New Orleans
2: for the last five years assisting Sean Payton. Is making, this is a question I genuinely, I don't know the answer to, is making the director of college scouting your GM quite a shrewd move? because technically they're already going to have a really good depth knowledge of college players. And therefore when your college scouts come to you and go, this guy's really good. This guy's really good. You're already going to have that knowledge to be able to go. Not sure. I don't think he's the right guy. Cause let's be honest, you know, <laughs> One of the things that I saw online is okay, this guy's gonna have experience with college players, but one thing he's not gonna be able to do is attract people in free agency. When have the lines ever attracted people in free agency? I don't <laughs> think that that's not a ballpark that they're playing in, you know? Mm. So I think it might be a sneaky good move. If someone like I think if someone in like,
1: theory, yeah, you're right. But the problem yeah. is like all you know, players that go into college that have been scouted and then come up to the NFL, you know. Can you ever really tell if someone's going to translate across? I, you know, you look, you look at the volume of you know undrafted free agents that
2: make think it, it, or it, first round it, busts, and it differs by position.
1: It I does. Think you're absolutely does. right.
2: I think you, you've got more chance of having success on like a corner than you have uh, a free safety. So I think. It's it, if if you're mostly going to be relying on gaining talent from the draft, it might be a sneaky good. I can, I can sneaker. see their thinking behind
1: it definitely, and I think you're right. I mean, it could it, it it'll go one or two ways, won't it? It'll either be an amazing, amazing thing, and the Lions in the next sort of two three years will suddenly become a a powerhouse team, or it'll just completely all fall apart and they'll go and 16 again or something and they'll yeah, have a job quite quickly so we might
2: well know this year because in terms of picks the lions have only got um five picks in the in the next draft but they're picking uh 741 uh 72 103 and um, 137 so all of their first all of their five picks are inside uh, pick 137 so You know, it it kind of makes sense that they're picking high and they need to make the most of them. They're not Jacksonville where they've got 22 picks and stuff like stupid like that. So it doesn't surprise me that they've gone down the college route because, you know, their skin isn't in the free agency game.
1: It certainly certainly makes it more interesting in the draft, looking at the Lions' picks as to who they go for, Um, whether or not they're kind of going with the consensus at, at, at each pick or whether they've gone out on a limb on someone. Or yeah,
2: the... from on that perspective, I think it's difficult to go out on a limb when you've only got five picks.
1: If yeah, you... but you'll always have you know the 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 experts in inverted commas, you know, telling you exactly who what the needs are for the team and yeah. who they should be picking and so on and so forth. And yeah, you know, the 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 lions don't always necessarily haven't always necessarily done what the Raiders have done and gone, you know, completely opposite to what people are saying. But <laughs> you know, if if you've got someone in there that that maybe thinks he knows something about a player that maybe no one else knows, then yeah, possibly you could end up with some weird and wonderful picks uh, uh, weird and wonderful positions. Yep. No, I agree. Interesting though. Makes it makes the Lions more interesting.
2: And of course the Lions have got new ownership now. Um so I think it's and obviously we have a new GM with a four or five or was it a four or five year contract? Five year. I think it's, it could well be that new era for the for the uh, for the Lions.
1: Probably we have a new so. quarterback scene as well.
2: Well, maybe. Matt I think uh Matt Stafford's still on contract for a couple of years and the the dead cap hit which they'd uh, undertake for him would be extreme. So I'm not sure that'll happen yet, but I think it's definitely a situation to keep an eye on.
0: Hope for his sake he moves. Uh, one more move to talk about them boys and that Steelers have let go of offensive coordinator Randy Fichtner. Uh, Randy Fickner is leaving to concentrate on his pawn career. He was defensive coordinator for three years <laughs> and the QB coach for 11 before that in Pittsburgh. Uh, to fill Randy's hole, Matt Canada has been promoted from the QB coach. Dave, calm down. To the offensive wow,
1: you, you scripted this out, didn't you? I you, absolutely you, did not. You sat down and you, you thought, what are the lines I can <laughs> you, get in here?
2: You can tell he's not, you can tell he's scripted because he's not stuttering.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: did I stutter? He's been promoted. So, Matt Canada has been, <laughs> damn it. Matt Canada has been promoted from the QB coach to the offensive coordinator the same way that Fickner was. But Canada does have experience at play calling for college teams LSU, Maryland, NC State, Wisconsin, Indiana, and Pittsburgh as well. So, Pittsburgh fans. What really- we, Fickner's, uh leaving.
2: What we said earlier on about promoting from within, Randy Fickner's the obvious uh, exception to the rule <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. uh, his it's offense this work. season. Well, <laughs> I don't, how how long's he been in charge for? I said basically um, for three years. He was the QB coach so, for eleven years before that. So three years ago.
0: Career.
2: Yeah, three years ago, you were undoubtedly one of the most dangerous offenses in the league mm-hmm. you know you had one of the best running games you had fantastic wide receivers and you had three b's yep absolutely now you've gone to a point where you can't run the ball and your, <laughs> your quarterback is being forced to throw it seven yards 50 times a game and it's not possible so yeah I think you've made the right choice in getting rid of them it might well be a personnel issue but it's also you know the, the Steelers have become one thing that we never thought that they would on offense and that's I don't want to say predictable but limited. Um so yeah, I think that it makes perfect sense. And you know, you can't be an NFL coordinator and have a successful porn career, so why not?
1: No. No, you definitely can't do that. <laughs> I suppose it, you know, when you when you look at the um quarterbacks he's bought on in the last two or three years as well, there's not a lot there really, is there? Other than other than, you know, Ben. No one's really ever turned around and and had a couple of games or something where you you know what he could be a starter
2: (laughs) that is is what i mean about a personnel thing but we've seen it before a lot of times where you have an offensive coordinator who can scheme a game for a quarterback you know you can say okay just don't Mm. lose us the ball we're going to do this do that do that but the lack of run game and the lack of ability to actually create any kind of run scheme um is mind-boggling because the Steelers have always always had a good run game always i can never think of a Steelers offense that hasn't had a fantastic run game um, and this is the first year that where your run game has not been ordinary it's been <laughs> quite frankly. Um, and you have to get back to having that successful run game and i think that's one of the reasons you've had to make a change had to make a change i think it was it was inevitable
0: oh absolutely inevitable yeah inevitable so let's move on then, boys. It's time to talk about the games. We're going to start with the, the first one of the four. And Aaron Rodgers threw two touchdown passes and also ran for a score as the top-seeded Green Bay Packers beat the Los Angeles Rams on Saturday. Rodgers threw a one-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams and a game-clinching 58-yarder to Alan Lazard with 6.52 left. Rodgers also had a one-yard touchdown run, the first by a Packers quarterback in a playoff game at Lambeau Field since Bart Starr's winning run in the Ice Bowl against Dallas on December 31st, 1967. The Packers scored on each of their first five series and led 25-10 early in the third quarter. Jared Goff was 21 of 27 for 174 yards in the touchdown, less than three weeks after undergoing that thumb surgery. And Cam Akers rushed for 90 yards in the touchdown. On the two-point conversion attempt, Van Jefferson caught a pass from Goff and lateral to Akers, who strolled into the left corner of the end zone. The Rams forced another punt and got the ball on their six but Kenny Clark's sack stalled the drive. Green Bay's AJ Dillon fumbled on the next series, but Rodgers recovered at the Packers 31 and advanced three yards. Three plays later, Rodgers hit Lazard, who caught the ball around the Rams 25 and raced into the end zone. The Packers have now reached the NFC Championship game for the fourth time in seven seasons. Aaron Rodgers will play a conference championship at home for the first time since taking over as Green Bay's starting quarterback in 2008. And the final score in Lambeau was the Rams 18, Packers 32. I mean, this was an utter utter
2: domination it really it was,
1: was yeah it was it was just levels wasn't it you know <laughs> you, you could just tell all the way through the game that the the packers were just doing what they had to do to win yeah you know, they 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 really weren't troubled at all in this you game
2: know. do you know how many possessions the rams had in the first half no not top four. 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 Ooh, dear. <laughs> yeah four possessions in all of the in Every single one of in all of the first half. They were 0 for 3 on third downs in the first half. And the Packers were just... The the one thing about the Packers that they did really, really well is they just controlled the inside running lane. So Aaron Jones was consistently getting yards. I mean, I think he ended up with close to 100 yards. And then Williams had a good game as well. And then AJ Dillon, as you said, was punching holes. And they were consistently uh, converting third downs. And it was controlling that inside lane. And it was... What we saw was the Rams minus Aaron Donald. I know he was there, but he wasn't there. If you get one, no, I mean. he wasn't.
1: Uh, y- he you was... could tell he was frustrated because he got that unsportsmanlike conduct for penalty yes. in the, I think it was the first quarter, and you could just tell it was the frustration of him not being a hundred percent and not being able to do the things he wanted to do.
2: And you know, you know what he was. He was human in this game. That's what he, he was, was human <laughs> in this game. He wasn't Aaron Donald. He Maybe was a Rod
1: right. Donald.
2: Yeah, but no, on the Rams' first drive of the second half, they ended up, I think, on third and seven, um, which after going 0-3 in uh, on third downs in the first half to end up on 0 and se- uh, third and seven, and you're, they were consistently, none of their third downs were like third and five or third and four or third and short. They were all third and medium, which meant they were having yeah. to go for it and really force it, and it meant the Packers could basically say, we know you have to throw it. We, we don't have to protect the run. So we can just sit, sit back and just play, you know, five deep. It was, it was easy. Um, the Packers also, the other thing that was really irritating me is you obviously have five offensive linemen and the Packers were rushing with four men, just a standard four set. So we're playing two up front with two defensive ends. So rushing a standard four set, but the four were getting through. If you've got five offensive linemen, four men should not get through because, You've got man on man. Then with one floater, he's going to be blocking in between. And we saw Rashard, Gary and uh, Kenny Clark consistently getting through. And it was incredibly frustrating that that was happening. Because if you're a, you know a Rams fan, you can't. You've got nothing going on the run game because your offensive line can't hold them. And four men are getting through, which immediately means you've got seven on the backfield. So there was nothing that the Rams could do. I mean, the... In- the interesting
1: thing is is that when you look at the stats at the end of the game, Cam Akers actually had a fairly decent game. Mm-hmm. You know, he he still picked up ninety odd yards and a touchdown. So, you know, you, you although you are right and visually it looks as though the Rams aren't doing anything, they're not running it at all, Cam Akers himself is actually picking up chunks of yards. It's just everything around him wasn't working. Yeah. So the great. only only thing that Green Bay had to focus on was well, if we keep Cam Akers quiet, and he did I think he did most of that in the in the second half, to be fair. Yeah, you know.
2: So you know, he certainly didn't do it in the first half. I know that. No,
1: and 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 once you're two scores down in a in a playoff game, you can't just rely on your running backs to run you back into it. It's just not yeah. going to happen. And, so, but
2: considering their main attack was on the ground and they got 90, 90 yards on the ground, normally if your main point of attack is on the ground, you expect to have a huge amount of time in possession. Rams had 23 minutes just of time in happen. possession. Yeah. 23 minutes. I mean, how are you going to win a playoff game with only 23 minutes of time in possession? It's, they were utterly, utterly dominated. So the great defense that we saw in the previous game um, for the Rams just wasn't there. Um, and everything they had was completely nullified and I think Green, Green Bay played the situation they played the game um, they didn't look rusty off a bye um, and they were led by a quarterback who fully understands playoff football um, and yeah they they were f- I mean they were 8 for 12 on third down throughout the entire game I mean that yeah. is what you do in the playoffs it's consistent and it's efficient and it was brilliant that's exactly what the, what the Packers were
0: who would have thought that after last season, when you know we saw what the deficiencies they had against San Francisco, the one thing they needed was a backup quarterback to uh, yeah. fire Aaron Donald into uh, Aaron Rodgers into life. Too many Aaron's in this game. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers into life. I mean, there, there was only one Aaron in was, this game. I'm, I'm going to have to say I'm going to have to apologise to Brian Gutterkunst for his performance on the drafts because everyone thought that he uh, <laughs> he wet the bed, but actually it looks like he was inspired because you know. They they didn't bring in anyone else on offense, but Devontae Adams had been arguably arguably the best wide receiver in the game this year. And they just look complete on both sides of the ball. They don't look flustered. Then they weren't yep. gashed very much. I mean, Cam Akers was averaging five yards a run, and he's had a very good season. Uh, you know, they managed to keep Robert Woods to under 50 yards. You know, Van Jefferson was doing the most damage in the second half as the rookie wide receiver for the Rams. They just seem to have it under control. And that's what's kind of most impressive for the, the Packers this season is they've never really looked out of control on a game. Yeah. And they've very I'd comfortably got to this position where they're now the number one seed. You know, They're going to be facing another team this weekend and they're going to be the favourites. And I think when they get to the Super Bowl, they're going to be a real problem for either of the two teams in the AFC that are facing them.
1: And let's, let's be honest, anytime the Packers can play at home, especially in December, January, it's difficult. Mm, you know, yeah. There's no, it's it's never easy playing outdoors, uh, just just from the fact that it's cold. Let alone if it's snowing and windy and everything else that can happen up there. So you know, th- like you said, I think I think the Packers this season have very quietly and and without too much fanfare, just gone about their business, knowing they've got a good team. Yeah, like you said, having a week off didn't seem to to bother them at all so you know it's it's very much a case of we know we're good enough to beat you we're just going to you know get up by two scores and just see the game out and job done move on to the championship game which we're now playing at home which they haven't done i don't think rogers ever played a a championship game at home as i said punk
2: yeah
1: you did say that did you paying okay attention. i may not have been paying attention at that point uh, <laughs> no, really. I, but I
2: yeah, think yeah. To I, emphasise your point, I think you're absolutely right in what the what Green Bay have done draft wise has been superb. Because yes, <laughs> they've drafted um, a quarterback in the first round, or a lot of people No question, but there, you know. But the running back makes perfect sense though. AJ Dillon makes perfect sense because he does, he. Aaron Jones is out of he's out of contract at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And the way that running backs go, when you're a star, you're gonna be signing a bumper contract somewhere. And now AJ Dillon's been bought in and he's sort of been fed in and we've seen he's got talent. They can yeah. start, kind of say to Aaron Jones, Okay, we're you know, if you here's your money, we want you to stay, here's the money we're willing to pay. If you can go and find a better deal, crack on. Which is mm-hmm. what he'll do. He'll go and find a better deal elsewhere, and good luck to him. Um, but um, but they've now got a quarterback who they be- you know they may well believe in and they can work on for a long time. They're not going to be you know pressured to giving him a massive contract because he was down towards the end of the first round anyway and et cetera, et cetera, So they are they've put themselves in a great position and they've also drafted well recently with the likes of Rashard Gary and uh, with the likes of um, Jair Alexander. Alexander's now looking like a a real good corner. I'm not going to say he's top five, but he's certainly top ten in the NFL. He's looking really good. He um, had a great game at the weekend as well. So no, I think the uh, the Packers are really special this season.
0: And last word on the Rams, obviously um, injuries seem to to nobble them, especially Aaron Donald and, and Jared Goff. Just just didn't have enough at the end to get over that. Yeah, that I think
1: it's it's you know ever since they got to that Super Bowl a couple of couple of three years ago, they've kind of dropped off a bit. I think now they've kind of realized that they don't have to be the greatest show on turf part three and scoring (laughs) 45 points a game and Mm. so on and so forth. You know, I think they've discovered a formula that works in that they can be a running team and, and a defensive team. They just need some, some strength in depth now and to actually, you know, just, just, just evolve that a little bit further than they've managed to do this season. But, uh, you know, the, a lot of the Rams players will will still be there next year, so I would I would very much expect with another decent draft and and adding a couple of free agent pieces that McVeigh can can do something similar with them next year, and I think they'll be back.
2: Yeah, I think we we did a, a piece last year on the Rams cap space. Yes, um, saying where they were and that they were in massive trouble, and what we basically saw is that. Uh, they had to sort of jettison a lot of their stars to try and get themselves out of trouble with the, you know, they they were happy to get rid of Top Gurley just to, you know, eat a bit of his cap space to free up for following years. Next year, they're projected to be over the cap by 22 million if the cap stays as we think it's going to be. So expected to be 22 million over. Um, now, there's no immediate stars who they can look to get rid of. So there's going to be the likes of, is, is you know, Andrew Whitworth going to retire? Is there going to be the likes of Robert Woods' contract? who They can try and get out. So they've still got cap difficulties, uh, but they've managed it amazingly well because you think some of the players they had to get rid of with the likes of Akib Talib, with the likes of Peters, um, with uh, what's the running back. Oh my God, Todd Gurley as well. That slipped from my mind there. What did you say? So with the players... Play-maker. Yeah, no, With the players... With the players that they've they've lost, yeah. With the players that they've lost, they've done well to get back to where they are. Um, But again, I think you're right. It's because they've drafted well and because they've realised that they can play a different way. It doesn't have to be scoring 50 points a game. So I I do agree.
0: Let's move on to the second game then, boys, of the weekend. And don't you just hate it when your biggest rival travels all the way to Snowy Buffalo to kick a field goal? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Teron Johnson returned and accepted 101 yards for a touchdown that propelled Buffalo to its first AFC Championship game appearance in 27 years. Josh Allen, MVP candidate this year, finished 23 of 37 for 206 yards and a three-yard touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs. Johnson's pick six of Jackson's pass with 41 seconds remaining in the third quarter helped secure a win over the Ravens in their divisional round playoff game on Saturday night. Johnson's return matched the longest in NFL history and punctuated a brilliant defensive performance in which Buffalo limited the NFL's top running offense to 150 yards on 32 carries. Lamar, last season's NFL MVP, was sacked three times and didn't return after sustaining a concussion following the final play of the third quarter when the centre botched the snap just two plays after Johnson scored. He finished 14 of 24 for 162 yards passing while being limited to 42 yards rushing on nine carries. Tyler Huntley came in in relief of Lamar and the game didn't seem to drop off in production. Huntley bust a run of 19 yards when they were backed up on the Baltimore two-yard line. Unfortunately for the Ravens, the scoring was already done for the night. The final score in Orchard Park was the Ravens 3, Bills 17.
2: Yeah, it was complete domination. It was men against boys. Um, I think the Bills showed just how good they are at managing situations and uh, managing games. And uh, without being sort of too harsh to the Ravens. I didn't feel at any point they were really in the game. Um, and, you know, it's something when you go to the kicker, can't, can't even, uh, you know, bail you out. So yeah, it wasn't too much of a surprise. I kind of expected the Bills to win this game, um, but it was just a surprise as to how they did it as much as anything. Cause you know, the Bills were superb. I know they only scored 17, but you know what? They only had to score 17 and that Ravens defense is all right. You know, it's not a bunch of jumps. Um it's just they were badly let down by their offense.
1: Exactly that. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there and saying that you know, the Bills defense stepped up and played a 10 out of 10 game and the Ravens offense just weren't there at all. Um mm-hmm. uh, all right, they might have got what was I think you said 150 yards rushing, something mm-hmm. like that. You know, when when you've got a team that's averaging two fifty, three hundred yards on the ground in you know, seventy percent of their games then yeah, yeah you, you you expect a little bit more, um, to be honest. Um, but it's it's testament to to how well coached the Bills were. And like you said, their their situational football on third down and when when RPOs were coming out and they just weren't going for it. They knew exactly what their cues were. It was almost like they'd been given the Ravens playbook to a degree and said, <laughs> Right, this is what happens in these situations, go and do it. So yeah, no. Hats off to the Bills. I think we both picked them this week, didn't we? You did, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think I think the Ravens. It's it's still a work in progress, isn't it? I mean, you know, this is a
0: typical player performance from like, the Ravens.
2: I mean, a, <laughs> week, a week later than normal. Yeah, yeah, a week exactly. It is a week later Anomaly than normal. A week last but week.
1: Yeah, it it's still it's still is going to make me turn around and say you need a quarterback that can throw the ball if you're going to win in the playoffs
2: (gasps) you have to have that I agree but I think I think rather than needing a quarterback that can throw the ball I think they need Lamar Jackson to step up because I think he can throw it I think he's he can throw it he just needs to work on his play recognition because I think he's got a good enough arm um, I don't think it's about
1: arm strength I think it's about accuracy I think it's about Uh, having that that cool collectiveness to sit in the pocket until your receivers open it's about reading the secondary it's about Mm. you know all all those things that you expect not just a pocket passing quarterback but even someone like Josh Allen that's learned over the last couple of years how to how to you know read a defense and understand what's happening in front of him and I think Lamar Jackson and it you know don't get me wrong, it's, it's fun to watch him running around like a lunatic. but oh, it's amazing. You mm. know, at, at some point you want him to turn into Donovan McNabb and, and yeah. actually be able to, to hit his receivers as well as make those weird and wonderful plays when everything I mean, breaks down.
2: The thing is, what what we see all the time is uh, that a lot of people say you can't teach accuracy. I think you can 100%. You absolutely can. And one of the reasons that Lamar Jackson isn't accurate is because, as you say, he's bobbing up and down everywhere and he can't read the defense so he's on his toes constantly looking do I need to run do I need to run do I need to run and then he's throwing it and his feet aren't planted he's throwing off his back foot he's throwing sidewards he's not Patrick Mahomes he hasn't got that bazooka arm that can throw it from any angle mm-hmm. so what he needs to do is if, if he's able to immediately look at a defense and go right they're playing zone they're playing man they're doing this they're doing that and what he almost does is look on a progression and go can I throw it between the numbers no run and because of that he's almost setting off before he's actually going and you need to remove that from his game if you remove that and you say okay let's dissect plays and let's understand what off, what defenses are going to do and if you can do that he can sit down a little bit on his passes more and become by proxy more accurate and i think that's what they need to do no, the I only agree. other option is go and get another quarterback because that's no, your don't. only two options
1: i don't think you you, you go and get another quarterback yet no, i, agree, I do you think, think don't, you do is, you have, is to, you have to improve I think, I think during the off-season, you sit down and you say, right, you're going to practice the next two months just being a pocket passer. You're not allowed yes. to run. And you just basically go back to basics and teach him how to three-step drop, five-step drop. Yeah, even if it's doing what Jared Goff does and just hitting slants, hitting, you know, out and ups, hitting hitting anything that's a sluggo, you know. Just 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 get him staying in one spot and getting his mechanics right. Because his mechanic his his feet mechanics are all over the place. You know?
2: <laughs> Greg Roman spent years designing
0: arm, that playbook right? based on his running ability and then providing him with other running Uh, backs that
1: can... Yeah, but you don't have to throw out the playbook and and the scheme and all the rest of it. But what you need to do is you need to get him comfortable enough to be able to adapt to the situation that he's in. You wouldn't, at the minute, send in two plays and go, here's a run play, here's a pass play, pick one, because he's not going to pick the right one, and he's always going to pick run, because it's what he naturally wants to do. So he's he's just got to almost curb his enthusiasm a little bit and just learn how to do a bit of that pocket passing i think he needs to look at what josh allen's done over the last couple of years i really do and 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 kind of go down the same line but we'll see it'll either work or it won't so you know i think you probably get a couple more seasons of him and then people will start questioning whether or not he goes the way of rg3
2: I think the the other parts of this as well is one thing that um, Ravens need to be aware of is once he loses that rapid step, when he gets to sort of close to 30, then he becomes a different player. It's like when we saw Theo Walcott drop off. You know, when you lose that pace, you become a different player. Um, I think what the Ravens need is a Cole Beasley. Because Cole Beasley doesn't have a role for the Bills. They basically say to him, play in the slot and find space. You don't have a route. Go and find space. He's almost a tight end. Go and get space, and Josh Allen will find you. Have that player who's just going to go out and get space every single, and it's what we've seen Edelman do a hundred times. Yeah. Edelman doesn't really have schemes and you know routes to run; he just goes and gets space. And Brady knows the three or four things that he'll do, and can look in those runs through pro- the progressions that he expects Edelman to be in and hits them. Um, so that's kind of what the Ravens need, because there's no doubt the Ravens. Worst position is wide receiver. Oh, without a long any, way. Without any shadow it, of a doubt. You
1: know, that won't help him at all because if no. he doesn't feel like he can trust any of his receivers, he's yeah. not going to throw the ball. So, oh, all yeah, you're I mean, doing Ravens... is throwing a
2: back shoulder fade. That's yeah, all yeah, exactly. you're doing constantly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Or, or, or you're hoping Hollywood Browns 10 yards <laughs> deep open on his own
2: with no one it's... around him, in which case you didn't lay one out. But yeah, but normally when you're throwing to Hollywood Brown, you're throwing it ten yards deeper than he actually is because it's yeah. going miles over <laughs> yeah, his head because yeah, he's <laughs> not actually anywhere near as fast as you think no. he
0: is. Let's face it, it's better to uh, receive a tight end. He's an extremely exciting agree. player to watch but he is deeply flawed in his mechanics and his athleticism gets him out of problems but also creates them because he relies on them so yeah. much. I agree.
2: Yeah. So uh so the other thing really is to give Uh, props to the Bills because the Bills were fantastic on defence, as we mentioned Um, and it all started with Ed Oliver at the uh, centre of the defensive line Um, so he and uh, Officer Phillips, Harrison Phillips were sort of interchanging in and out which means there was constant pressure But the other thing that was especially impressive was the linebackers, I'm going to try and get the names right, was Matt Milano and uh, Tremaine Edmonds were Mm -hmm. almost taking it in turns rushing and moving from the standard 4-3 set that they run to almost a a 5-2 set. But then what was happening, because they knew nothing was coming deep you ended up having Mika Haidu was coming forward and sort of acting as an extra linebacker because he's got that size. Um, but then we also saw Josh Norman coming out of the slot, almost into a safety position. Um, and they were taking a man off the line to play a nickel package. And it was, it was really impressive with the variety that they were showing and the fact that they were able to, it was like they had the the play sheet of the Ravens and everything they tried was constantly being snookered and it was just a variety in what they're doing. And I think that's what you, what you have when you have players like Jadavius White, Micah Hyde, Josh Norman, I think you've got sort of the know-how and the ability of players. Cause Josh Norman obviously went to Super Bowl 50 and Jadavius White is an all-star pro. I don't, I don't care how many pro, you know, all, I don't care how many uh, votes he gets. Pro Bowls he's been, been to or first team pro what votes he gets. He's one of the best defensive backs in the league. Um, mm-hmm. And, he's just that good so i think it was a constant pressure on on the uh the ravens and by the end they were just having to force the ball um and the ravens weren't playing their game and if, when you can make an opposition team play your game instead of their own you've you've won the game before you even started and mario addison was amazing as well <laughs> here we go everyone everyone gets a, a cookie on the uh yeah. on the uh, buffalo team
0: So let's move on to the third game, boys. So my weekend was complete watching the other AFC North team get taken out. When Mahomes had to leave the game, it fell on the Chiefs' defence and Chad Henney to finish the job. Mahomes hadn't played in 21 days since the Chiefs clinched the AFC's top seed in Week 16, but he hardly missed a beat before leaving midway through the third quarter. Mahomes completed 11 of his first 12 passes and had the Chiefs on back-to-back touchdowns to start the game. He ran for the first and let Travis Kelsey turn a dump off into a 20-yard catch for the other making him the first player since the 49ers Steve Young in 95 with three straight playoff games with touchdowns on the ground and through the air. After the team swapped field goals with Butker breaking the Chiefs playoff record with a 50-yarder into the wind, the Browns marched for what could have been a momentum-swinging score headed into halftime. But just when Rashad Higgins tried to stretch over the goal line, the Chiefs' Daniel Sorensen used his head to deliver a hit, popping the ball into the end zone uh, for a touchback. The call stood after a video review. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. got a touchdown pass to Jarvis Landry in the third quarter after throwing a pick. On the next drive, Mahomes was tackled to the ground around the neck. And I think we can confirm or not confirm uh, he suffered a scary concussion or was it a brachial pinch and he was unable to find his feet. He had been struggling to move with an apparent toe injury early in the game, but this took him out and the Chiefs had to finish the game with Chad Henney under centre. After only getting 18 yards in the first half, the Browns took this turn in fortunes to apply pressure on the ground. And of course, it had to be Kareem Hunt that punched in the rushing touchdown to make it a one-score game. The momentum remained with Cleveland when Carl Joseph picked off Henny in the end zone a few minutes later, but the Chiefs stuffed Chubb on the first down, forced an incompletion on the second, and ultimately made Cleveland punt. Henny's gutsy 13-yard scramble and Reed's equally daring fourth-down call kept the Browns from having another chance, and the Chiefs become the first AFC team to host three consecutive conference title games. The final score in Arrowhead was the Browns' 17, Chiefs' 22. Missed
2: opportunity for the Browns. That's what this was. Um, that that head to head, lowering the head to uh, initiate contact. I mean, if I'm the defender, that's what I'm doing in that situation because mm-hmm. you're you're effectively preventing a touchdown at the risk of getting a penalty. I'll take that penalty all day long.
1: Yeah, you. So it's not even going for a penalty. It's he's going for a tackle. Yeah. The uh, the Higgins is going for the corner of the end zone he's diving. Yeah, the the head to head is almost inconsequential. You know, it's just part and parcel of football and even, you know, 5 years ago that wouldn't have been a wouldn't have been a penalty. But, you know, I don't have a problem with it being a penalty etc etc. My problem is with the fumble through the end zone is a touchback rule. It's What's almost word? as bad as the tuck rule. <laughs> <laughs> almost as. What do you mean? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? So I'm that nothing through no fault of 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 my own, as it were. If I'm an offensive player, mm. I suddenly give the ball back because it's gone out of bounds. If it goes out of bounds anywhere else, I get the ball where it went out of bounds. It's only if it goes to the end zone that I suddenly have to give the ball back to the other team. The defense has hardly
0: any breaks. It's absolutely, punks. almost ridiculous. all the rules are
1: for the offense. So give the defense something. Come on. Well, number one giving did... the defense something it's just, it's just a really <laughs> bad rule because you know I, can, I if if i fumble it 3 inches before that it's a completely different rule to fumbling it 3 inches after that it just it's just one of those ridiculous nfl rules that doesn't make sense to me and never has been, so... to be honest it's just luckily it doesn't happen that often
2: so so what you're saying is, if a wide receiver catches the ball and fumbles it out of bounds, it should be a turnover. I like that thinking. I agree with that.
1: Where <laughs> not if, 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 I know if I'm a joking. wide receiver catches the ball and fumbles it out of bounds, he gets the ball back. If you if you really if you really want to if you really really want to penalise the offense for having fumbled it through the end zone, make them go back to the twenty or twenty five or something. You know, and, and and loss of down. You don't need to turn the ball over in that situation. It just in that particular one as well it kind of destroyed the momentum of the game a little bit until obviously what happened midway through the quarter so you know for me i think it's a better spectacle if, if if at that point the browns keep the ball regardless of you know where where it got fumbled out
0: punk you wanted to say something controversial didn't you I well, like-
1: no, I, I think you might have stolen my thunder a little bit in your in your intro there because well, I don't believe that Patrick Mahomes has a concussion. I think he mm, got choked out mm. because at no point did I see his head hit anything at all.
2: You think he's just a bit?
1: Did what kind of I, get the ground? What I, no, what? No, it did, didn't hit the ground though because he was almost in. He was almost in a a, a, a chokehold, and I think he's out. And as he's going out. I think, is when his head rests upon... I can't think who it was that tackled him. Yeah, doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, whoever it was, his, his head's basically cradled in his arm. So at no point... And he's not going to the ground with force. So I, I think he got choked out. I, I mean, don't I've, think I've he's seen got a concussion. have conflicting
0: reports on this. I mean, there was a, a guy on Twitter was a jiu-jitsu instructor. He said it was definitely a brachial pinch He's had that before, and it's kind of... It's knocked you out for a second. You've tried to get up. He's tried to get up and he failed. And then he had fights later on that day. And I've seen videos with doctors saying it was definitely a concussion. And you can see with the way he stretched his left arm and his left leg out, that that's a classic response to a concussion. And, but then he we saw him go running off the field afterwards so that's yeah. it
1: he went sprinting down the tunnel and you know all the reports that came out immediately after the game from his teammates were going yeah he was absolutely fine in the locker room there's absolutely nothing wrong with him now I get you know if if you were putting him in concussion protocol then his teammates might be turning around going yeah he's absolutely fine regardless mm. but you know its to me, I, there was no point when, even when it first happened, there was no point where I sat there and went, "Oh, that's a concussion." I couldn't figure out what had happened initially, and it wasn't until I'd seen the couple of replays where I was like, "Well, he doesn't actually hit his head anywhere."
0: Well, you don't like to see anyone with that kind of wobbly leg thing. Oh no, on. no, absolutely. That I mean, they really did the right thing, thing,
1: taking him out and not playing him on. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong; I'm not saying he should have played on, but no. I'm, but you know, I, being, yeah. I, I, I just don't see how they can put him in concussion. Concussion protocols when two days later he probably is absolutely fine and he didn't actually hit his head.
2: With <laughs> the amount of heat that's on the NFL, I think yeah. there's absolutely no doubt that any sign of any kind of concussion protocol um, means that a player's going in. I don't care who they are. Uh, I think even when you're one of the main stars of it as well, you're even oh, more on, he's, susceptible he's the golden ball in the sport.
1: Exactly. Oh yeah, no. I'm not saying they should have played him in the game. I think he was absolutely right to sit out the rest of the game. Not a problem there at all. What I'm saying is it's now Tuesday evening, and we've yep. we still know absolutely nothing about, you know, about what happened or whether he's in concussion protocols because you know no one's actually said anything at all about how he got this concussion because it just doesn't look like it happened. My problem will be, if he doesn't play this weekend, then that kind of makes a bit of a farce of the concussion protocols, because he wasn't concussed. <laughs>
2: well, we don't, the thing, w- I think that what Jim mentioned a moment ago is interesting about the leg. So, I'm um, go on a slight tangent here, but follow me. Do you remember um, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 1?
0: Had to be a boxing Um fight. The first <laughs> time.
2: Do you remember when um, Fury was knocked down in the last round when he was absolutely yes. just splattered with a punch? Now, Jack Reese, who was the referee, he used to be a fireman. And one of the reasons he didn't, because a lot of people were saying he should have called it off immediately. But he said the, the reason he knew that Tyson Fury wasn't knocked out was because his leg was bent. And if you look, when he goes down, his leg's bent in the air. And Jack Reese immediately went, OK, he's fine. If your legs go straight. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're knocked had, out. If you've had a brain injury. You go stiff exactly and one of the things that was mentioned immediately was that his legs went flat so there's going to be certain checkpoints that's Mahomes. his legs went flat there's going to be certain checkpoints that doctors or physicians on the sidelines are going to say did this happen did this happen did this happen and it's not always going to be did his head hit the ground it could be several different things but there's going to be a checklist somewhere that is did this happen a b c d if three of the five or whatever they are making numbers up but if those are um, Ticked, you have to take them out under um, protocols. You have to. Yeah, and I and I'm agree not though, that at
1: all. I agree 100% that.
2: that you would expect by now for us to have heard whether or not he has or hasn't um, suffered a concussion and what the effect of that is going to be long term. And the other effect of this, of course, is potentially that Kansas City know full well that he's going to be playing, and therefore they're under absolutely no pressure on themselves to go. Or oh, he's going to be playing because what the hell does it matter to them? They know whether he's playing or not. So why mm-hmm. does everyone else need to know? They'll find out on Sunday.
1: When's injury report day? Thursday, isn't it?
2: Thursday. Yeah. So well, we just yeah, had an update be- that he is
0: doing concussion protocols, but that again doesn't say he's had the concussion. So No, no.
1: but I mean, you're still in concussion protocols from the game for 48 hours afterwards, regardless. So, you know, that that doesn't tell us anything. That doesn't say whether or not he's going to be in that until, you know, two weeks time or next weekend or we just don't know. And that's why I'm a little bit dubious about it.
2: Have you ever had a concussion, a proper concussion before? Oh, yeah oh yeah no i've had one i had one <laughs> once when i got hit by a car and i wasn't right for about a fortnight
1: oh like, yeah I no little
2: things i was wrong yeah, yeah. i'm like doing little headaches going, why and... why is not this working? why can't yeah, i get the shower to work and then you realize you you're turning it on cold and it's not getting yeah. hot little things like that so your brain's not working yeah. so i get a hundred anyone who hasn't had a concussion it's like being blended it's like your mind's been blended and it just takes you a bit to reset. That's basically what it is, because you, you're just a bit all over the place. Concussion is the wrong word for it. What they should call it is brain trauma, because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. And um, if there is the possibility that you have suffered any kind of brain trauma, then the right thing to do is to take you out of a game. And you know what? If you miss a game the following week, because it's po- a possibility that it's a sport, who cares? The livelihood yeah. of you know the ability for some guy to be able to walk in 10, 15 years' time is more important than winning the game in the playoffs. So,
0: But again, the me, signs we saw immediately or during the game after that happened were very positive in the fact that yeah, there wasn't anything really wrong with him. And let's hope it was just a choke-out and um, this break-your-pinch that's happened here. <laughs> I and... mean, when you're saying
2: let's hope it was just a choke-out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah. best-case scenario here. <laughs> yeah. right? you know,
1: let's just hope that he got choked out on the field and passed out for a that two seconds two rather seconds than... then back
2: up yeah <laughs> but no going back going back to the game I think the key the key loss yeah we do thing, need to talk about the game, it's about exactly the game exactly as Jim mentioned you know the if you, if you look at the Browns the Browns were third in rushing in the regular season and the Chiefs were 21st in the regular season in defending the rush mm-hmm. and what lost the Browns this game is the fact that they weren't able to convert on third down defending third downs when the uh, Chiefs had third downs letting a quarterback who ran a four nine almost what was it six or seven years ago that four nine is no longer a four nine that's a five six or a five seven (laughs) now you know letting someone who can run that on a third down run multiple yards come on have a break but it's the fact that they ran 18 yards in the first half yeah yeah how did that
1: happen I, I think I think the Browns in the first half were a little bit Soce frozen truck. frozen yeah. yeah exactly they were frozen in fear they the, the occasion got to them a little you bit i think right. and it was like oh my god we beat the steelers last week no one It's what to you said that. punk We've done it that was their it's super bowl exactly what i said yeah, yeah that's that's right. why you need to be listening to jimmy podcast <laughs> i think they uh i think they came out in the first half and and gave the old cliche of a little bit too much respect to the chiefs and didn't mm. really get in their face and you know Give them a hard time, and then they, it gets obviously you know going in at half time. It, certainly, I thought it was just gonna be a walk, walk in the park, to be honest. I thought it was gonna be an even easier game than the Packers won for the Chiefs. Mm. Um, so credit to the Browns that they did manage to come out and make a game of it. Um, obviously, the, the Mahomes situation helped somewhat. Um, yeah, that's quite a drop off Mahomes to Henny.
2: Yeah, <laughs> mm. well, but, you say that. <laughs> he did. did job right.
1: done. He did. He did get the job done. He did what he had to do to get, get him over the line. I mean, I think if the, the Browns might be kicking themselves a little bit, thinking, "Well, if we just turned up in for the last ten minutes of the first half, we might have been been a bit closer." And and you know, who knows what would have happened at the end there. But no, I think I think the Browns deserve credit for getting as far as they've done. Um, certainly, since uh, Odell Beckham went out with his ACL.
2: They seem to uh, have... That's a definite talking point for the off-season because when your best offensive player... Yeah, air quotes, goes out and you become a better team. You become a better team. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It raises exactly. obvious questions. So, yeah. I think the Browns are a streaky team. They remind me of um, the Cowboys under Dak. When when everything's rolling nicely, they're devastating. When, when it becomes a hard fight and someone hits them back and it becomes a bit of a slog, they find it very difficult. Mm. And I think if the Browns had got a turnover early, like they did with the Steelers, mm. if you get a turnover early and just yeah. something to give them a lift, like get that early goal and just, you know, really have something to get your teeth into and really sort of have your momentum and get something going if they'd have had that it might have been a different game but when they have to go out there and they have to force the momentum and they have to go toe to toe and they have to be the team that really makes things happen rather than something I don't want to say falling to them because that's doing them a disservice but you know what I'm saying I just don't think they're there yet I think they're missing a few key players a few key components uh, that make them that turn them from a good team to a great team um, and I think that's basically where the Browns are at the moment. A great season for the Browns, though, because it was only a couple of years when they were 0-16. Yeah, very I good agree. turnaround for I agree. them.
1: I think I think, you know, they can look at the season and be proud of what they've achieved and, you know, go into next season, like you say, adding a few more pieces, adding a bit of strength and depth. And just, you know, really having a go at it next year. I mean, I, th- I think the North next year is going to be a cracking division. Yeah. I mean, was this year? It was pretty year? good this year. It was pretty good this year. It was all right. <laughs>
0: Give me a harder but, division well, than I the did. AFC North.
1: I, th- I think if, if the Ravens pick up some receivers and the Browns continue to progress and the Steelers don't just get an easy schedule to get themselves 11-0, <laughs> then... You know, oh, it could be could be some very interesting
2: football played there next year. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing that's got to be disappointing for the Browns is their fans, you know, they've spent so many seasons watching Dross. <laughs> yeah. And the one time they get a really good team to go and watch, they can't yeah. barely go and watch them because it's a worldwide yeah, yeah. pandemic. You have to feel sorry team. for the for the dog oh, power, definitely. It's rough. Uh
0: last game then of the the weekend. Tom Brady and the Bucs' offence turned three of four Saints turnovers into touchdowns, and Tampa Bay beat New Orleans in the final divisional round of the playoffs on Sunday night. Two of those touchdowns came on short passes to Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette, and after linebacker Devin White snagged the second of three interceptions thrown by Breeze, Brady drove to the Bucs to the one-yard line, where he scored himself with 4.57 left to seal the win. Meanwhile, the Breeze here in New Orleans could be over after 15 seasons. Breeze under contract for one more year declined to say whether he's retiring or not. If it was his last game, it won't be one they want to remember. The NFL's all-time leader in completions and yards passing was 19 of 34 for just 134 yards, one touchdown and three interceptions. The Saints led 6-3 when Breeze, while trying to flee pressure under three Michael Thomas, and was intercepted by Sean Murphy Bunting, who raced 36 yards along the sideline to the Saints three. Brady hit Evans one play later to put the Buccaneers up by four. Breeze's 16-yard pass to Tracon Smith put the Saints head by seven, and New Orleans appeared primed to build on that lead when Breeze found Jared Cook across the 50-yard line. But Buck's safety Antoine Winfield Jr. stripped Cook from behind, and White snagged up the loose ball. Ryan Suckup's 36-yard field goal made it a three-point game before White's interception of a pass intended for Alvin Kamara gave the Buccaneers the ball at the New Orleans 20-yard line, setting up Tampa Bay's final touchdown. Jameis Winston forced out of Tampa Bay when Brady became available through a 56-yard touchdown pass against his old team on a trick play. Kamara took a direct snap and gave the ball to receiver Emmanuel Sanders on a reverse before Sanders lateral back to Winston and the reserve QB launched an accurate pass down the middle to an open Smith. The final score in the Superdome was
2: the Bucks 30, Saints 20. Yeah, it was a wider gap between the two teams than the 10 points suggests. Yeah. Um, the, Saints really? would be and the Saints would be an all-ends up.
1: No, absolutely. they really
2: weren't. The Saints on offense were instant.
1: The first half... Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not disputing that the Saints weren't good on offense, but neither team were good on offense.
2: Neither mm. team.
1: No, no. The, the thing that won it was Drew Brees' arm having fallen off the edge of a cliff and mm-hmm. not being able to throw the ball. Yeah, Devin think... White was the player of the game without. Mm-hmm. A doubt. Oh yeah. He was absolutely it's, everywhere, but it it's was the fact
2: that the Bucks that Cam won Jordan was the
1: interceptions. They didn't win because they outplayed the Saints. Oh no, they, they they won because the Saints absolutely shot themselves in the foot multiple times.
2: No, I think the the. Buck's offense. If you look, you know Brady had a good game because he was managing situations. If you look at time in possession, you look at third down completions, even things like penalties and things like that. They were consistently better, but only the in the second, second half. Was.
1: In the first half, it was a really weird game. It didn't feel like a playoff game at all.
2: Because no, because it was with just that.
1: two teams that couldn't do anything. Basically, but
2: if it was Tristan Wirfs was superb. I mean, Cam Hayward, uh Cam Jordan didn't play. I mean, don't I mean think, I know he was there, but you didn't play. Yeah, <laughs> he, no, absolutely, and, in no time.
1: Yeah, you know, don't forget also in in the first half, the Saints could have gone fourteen three up with the
2: yeah, they could have, the
1: they return. Couldn't. Hang on, with the return TD that got brought back for a block in the back that wasn't a block in the back. Oh yeah, so. You know, it's 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 one of those situations where everything fell for the Bucs and they didn't fall for the Saints. So I don't think you can sit there and say that the Bucks completely outplayed them because they didn't. The Bucks defense played very well and they were the outstanding squad within the entire Absolutely. entire game, I'll give you that. But I think it's as much the Saints not being able to throw the ball deep, not ever really committing to the run game, which was very strange when they couldn't throw the ball deep.
2: They
1: couldn't. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a weird game. It was a very strange game.
2: I think when, if you look at the Bucks, the Bucks scored 30 points. They were never in danger of giving the ball away almost at any point. Well, they ran totally the lead midway through the fourth quarter. Yeah, but they ran the ball phenomenally well. And the best receiver was Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was receiving the ball seven yards from line of scrimmage, consistently and gaining another ten yards on top yeah. of that. Le- mm-hmm. Leonard and... Fournette was Alvin Hamara. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but the, the way that the Bucks were playing, the Bucks basically said, "You can't throw it outside of the numbers. That's fine. So we're going to play a five set, two in the middle." We're not yeah. going to have to worry about you throwing the ball outside. So what we're going to do is protect the run. We're going to stuff the box so you can no longer run the ball on us. Now, because you can't run the ball on us, you either have to throw it outside the numbers or go through the middle. And you can't throw it outside the numbers because we will just pick you off. I think it was absolutely superb. But the problem was they were playing against the quarterback whose arm just, as you say, completely um, fell off a cliff. It's gone. And he it has to be his last year. Th- there are other problems in New Orleans as well. So next year, um, guess how far over the cap they are um predicted to be next year
1: oh they're miles 30 35 million times it by three. Oh, really yes that, <laughs> so that's so they are that's raider situation that is <laughs> they that's are predicted... everybody in the way we go oh, they, special, they are predicted to be
2: 95 million over the cap now if drew Brees retires which is expected to be that's going to have um some kind of saving but they're still then going to be almost 70 million over yeah. um taysom hill next season is on Wait for it. <clears throat> <laughs> clear my throat. Sixteen point one million pounds next year. Wow. I thought you were going to say pesos. Uh, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is ridiculous. So yeah, they're not paying him in magic beans. They're paying him in actual cash money. Wow. Um, James Winston is not the heir apparent because he's he was on a one-year, one million dollar deal. Yeah. The only other quarterback they've got on, I believe, is Trevor Simeon. So it's going to be Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon. That's Ooh. your future. Oh, and guess what? Guess how many? Uh, guess how many draft picks they've got next year in the draft? Oh, an absolute shed load, don't they, Dave? Loads. <laughs> three
0: loads. <and> load. Three, <laughs> yeah. Three,
2: <whole laughs> three. Three picks. <laughs> Hang on, I'm just going to check just to make sure I'm not wrong. I'm pretty sure it's only three. And the, they they absolutely have shot themselves in the foot. They've gone on to win now mode, um, and they've not won now.
1: No. So, and you know, some of that. Let's be honest, over the last few years, some of it has been down to dodgy calls. Yes. Yeah. They've, they've had a bit of bad luck in some of those games. You think of the, uh, all right, you've, you've had the Minneapolis miracle. You've had the Rams... Uh, Championship game where the non-call of the pass interference,
2: but in that game but... that that non of pass interference that only took it to overtime. So they still had as much chance. They still as had the re- first. Oh, yeah, no, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, no, no, no.
1: yeah. I know, but I'm just I'm just highlighting that they haven't always been the the, the, the luckiest luck. team when it comes. The to The luck calls that
2: they talk stuff. about is Stefan Diggs torching them for a yeah. my for the uh, Minneapolis Miracle. Okay, that's nothing to do with luck. That's just one of those plays that happens. We've seen it time and time again. The other one is a pi interception. P.I. call which probably should have been given but you had first possession of the following um, It didn't overtime. end the game And No, and then there was a push off by Carl Rudolph which wasn't called, which also wasn't a push off, wasn't offensive was pass it? Yeah. it was a 50-50 so this whole thing of luck and when we went to Wembley to watch um, yeah, when we went to Wembley, we met some Saints fans on the, on the train. I went on this whole rant of how Saints fans are idiots. And then everyone sat there in awkward silence for about five minutes afterwards, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. Well, no, was I had the pleasure problem. of watching
0: this game. It was one of the longest games I've ever sat through. Not not just the fact that it started at quarter past one in the morning. Yeah. But yeah. It just seemed to go on forever,
1: this game. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what that I meant hurt. when I was saying it was a weird playoff game in that it didn't really feel like either team was... Well, I'm, I'm going to throw this grenade
0: out here, boys. Do do we think that do we think that Drew Brees torpedoed this game by before the game announcing this was his last ever game in the Superdome because he was going no, to I think I
1: think Jay Glazer announced it and yeah
0: but he wouldn't have done it without knowing <laughs> from Drew Brees it was going to happen and he 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 threw those interceptions because he was forcing balls that he probably wouldn't have done if it was just a normal oh, yeah, no. season
1: I agree. So I think True, I Drew Brees I look mean... at this game and go I I choked it. I think if you I think well I am not so sure he choked it as opposed to he just doesn't want to admit that his arm isn't there. Um and you know whereas whereas when it happened to Peyton Manning he had that amazing defense to kind of carry him through it for a, a season basically. Drew Brees hasn't had that. It's always been an offense first team. So, you know, he's They've kind got of a great had defense, to, Punk have to do it. Oh, they have got a good defense, which is, you know, why I was a bit surprised that they didn't play particularly well on – I mean, they weren't terrible. Don't get me wrong. The The Saints' defense was fine. But it just it, – it, the whole thing's just a bit – I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, the, the whole New Orleans thing is a bit weird. I think – I I mean, you're absolutely right. They're going to have to blow it all up and start again anyway. Um. But yeah. I just think this season, last season – well, the last – Four seasons, is it? Now they've been win-now mode, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to have a game, in a divisional round game in the plus where you haven't managed to get Michael Thomas one single ball, it's ridiculous. Whether that no. was down to the play calling or, you know, not making the adjustments and going, right, we know Breeze can't throw it 30 yards down the field, so let's get him on some slants and some, you know, hooks and so on and so forth. He Just claimed he was playing hurt because 10. it was Breeze's last game. So he reckoned he He wasn't wasn't (laughs) actually fit to play, but he did it anyway. He didn't look fit. Mm, Well, if you know that, that's pretty much sums it all up, really, doesn't it? If you if if you're hurting your team because you're playing unfit, then you know whose whose decision is that to pull you out?
2: Um, So looking at the draft, then they're picking in the first round, twenty eighth overall, in the second round. Um, In the third round there, one of their picks is going to the Browns. I can't think who that's for, though, Um, but their pick goes to the Browns um they're picking in the fourth round and then in the fifth their pick is going to san francisco and their sixth it's going to the texans and you know you're in a bad position when the texans are taking your draft picks that's when you know you're in trouble um but yeah so they they're picking first second and fourth so i fully anticipate that they will be moving down in that first round they are going to be shipping it they're probably shipping it now they're going to go give us Give us multiple thirds, give us multiple fourths. The vast yeah. majority of everyone's, uh, everyone's depth chart is filled with players who are picked from the fourth round downwards because you can't have lots and lots of first rounders. No. Um, the Raiders have at the moment, but that will change once everyone's fifth-year option comes in and that kind of thing because of what happened with Khalil Mack. Um, so they are going to have to try and get as many picks going further down as they can. So they will end up picking more than three players. There's no doubt about that. Um, but right now they're uh, they're looking in trouble. 90 million. Over, it's only 200 million salary cap, and then 90 million over next year. Madness. Absolutely madness.
0: You wonder, yeah, you wonder where the money's gone, and then you hear about Taysom Hill getting over 16 million, and you think, oh, that's where it's gone. 16
2: <laughs> million pounds.
0: What's
1: Kamara's contract at the minute? Is he still on his rookie one?
2: No, he, he had, a, he had, no, a, big he had a
1: big bump a couple of years ago, did he?
2: Yeah, Yeah. so Alvin Kamara's uh, signed a massive deal, but it didn't actually come in. It doesn't come into effect straight away. So the way that it worked in his uh, in his first year, uh, sorry, in his early years, he was uh, getting basically a pittance just because he's a running back. Except he was a third round pick as well, third round overall. So uh, in 2021, in total, he's going to earn five million, I think but it, dead cap space is massive but we're not worried about yeah, that for the moment cap no, no. um, hit in the following year is 14.5 um, mm. so that's 2022 in 2023 it's then 14 million again um, then there's a potential out in 2024 um, and if they decide to keep him the following year, so in 2025 it's 14 million again 14.8 million, in 2025 you're ready for this, for a running back 25 million yeah, it dollars. Won't, it won't get that far. <laughs> he's not it won't that. get
1: that far at all. <laughs> but no. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's not much point in shipping Kamara out. So, I guess it will be Lattimore, Thomas.
2: They won't keep Lattimore because he's going to be on his uh, fifth year. So, in terms of players are earning high, they're looking Drew Brees is obviously on a vast amount. I'm not going to say yeah. numbers because otherwise it just becomes a math yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But their highest players: Drew Brees, uh, Cam Jordan, Michael Thomas, 18.8 million next year. Uh, yeah. Teron Armstead, who's their left tackle, can't yeah. really get rid of him because you know who else is out there. Um, then it's Taysom Hill, 16.2 million next year. 16.2. <laughs> Janaris Jenkins, Quan Alexander, Andreas P. Uh, Ryan and Andrew's Pete's someone they could get rid of because they picked up uh, Cesar Ruiz, who's mm. a guard in the first round last year who could potentially replace him as well. So there are players who can go, yeah. but the problem is the vast majority, so what, what you see is like sort of normally when you look at a cap, you see about five or six players because I'm a, I'm a cap nerd. So you see five or six players who are on over 10 million and they've got like 12 players over 10 million. David Onyemata's on more than 10 million. I mean, blows your mind. And then they've got loads of players on nothing. I mean, nothing. So they're very, very top heavy on a few players, and it doesn't give them any maneuverability whatsoever. Um, so there are going to be players that are going to have to leave or take voluntary cuts. That's, that's the other problem. So, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, who we all agree is a shadow of the player he formerly was, next year he's on 10.5 million next year. He's not going to be, yeah, be there. Yeah, <laughs> he, he won't be there. He won't be there, there next, yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah. There are... Yeah, definite... they've got a little wheeler dealing to do, haven't they? Yes. It'd be yes, a busy time for yeah.
0: them. Uh, at this point, boys, I'd usually ask... Um, well, start talking about the preview of the championship games and seeing how those four teams we've just said that have won are going to fare against each other. But we're going to save that. We're going to put a cork in this uh, podcast. we will come back later on in the week, mostly because of one... Uh, curly haired quarterback we want to know exactly who's playing so we give ourselves the best chance of giving you guys an accurate picture of of who we think is going to win but if i will just say about the 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 picks uh dave clean sweep son sweep four of four yeah because you picked the the packers bills chiefs and bucks it was the last game that you had the the toss-up between punk went with the saints so punk got three out of four dave you got four out of four so congratulations i
2: know I thought I thought there was a good chance I'd picked the Bucks, but I couldn't remember if I'd actually said them or not. Um, so no, happy with that. Four out of four. Back,
0: so on our next pod later on in the week, we'll go through the preview of the AFC and NFC championship games that are happening this Sunday and there may be a return of Dave's quiz as well. We'll see if Dave's yes. uh, out of concussion protocol and able to complete those questions
2: so until (laughs) then make sure you check us out
0: on Twitter to find out when we're going to be dropping this pod uh, at Jim and the King at Denver Dave 30 at Punk underscore Raider Um, yeah but until later on this week I've been Jim that's been Punk Raider that's been Denver Dave and thank you so much for listening